My name is Dr. Mark McCullough. I will be reading from the eighth canto of Dante's Inferno, translated by Mark Musa. Afterwards, I'll offer a brief discussion of Canto Eight. I must explain, however, that before we finally reached the foot of that high tower, our eyes had been attracted to its summit. By two small flames we saw flare up just there, and so far off that the eye could hardly see, another burning torch flashed back aside. I turned to that vast sea of human knowledge. What signal is this? And the other flame, what does it answer? And who's doing this? And he replied, you should already see across the filthy waves what has been summoned, unless the marsh's vapors hide it from you. A bowstring never shoots an arrow off that cut the thin air any faster than a little boat I saw that very second skimming along the water in our direction with a solitary steersman who was shouting, Aha! I've got you now, you wretched soul! Philagius, Philagius, this time you shout in vain, my lord responded. You will have us with you no longer than it takes to cross the monk. As one who learns of some incredible trick just played upon him, flares up resentfully. So Philagius there was seething in his anger. My leader calmly stepped inside the skiff, and when he was inside, he had me enter, and only then it seemed to carry weight. Soon as my guide and I were in the boat, the ancient prow began to plow the water, more deeply now than any time before. And as we sailed the course of this dead channel, before me there rose up a slimy shape that said, Who are you who come before your time? And I spoke back, Though I come, I do not stay. But who are you in all your ugliness? You see that I am one who weeps, he answered. And then I said to him, May you weep and wail, stuck here in this place forever, you damned soul, for... Filthy as you are, I recognize you. And that he stretched both hands out towards the boat, but on his guard my teacher pushed him back. Away, get down there with the other curs. And then he put his arms around my neck and kissed my face and said, Indignant soul, blessed is she in whose womb you were conceived. In the world this man was filled with arrogance, and nothing good about him decks his memory. For this... His shade is filled with fury here. Many in life esteem themselves great men, who then will wallow here like pigs in mud, leaving behind them their repulsive fame. Master, it certainly would make me happy to see him dunked deep in the slop just once before we take this lake. It truly would. And he to me. Before the other shore comes into sight, you will be satisfied... A wish like that is worthy of fulfillment. Soon afterwards I saw the wretch so mangled by a gang of muddy souls that to this day I thank my lord and praise him for that sight. Get Filippo Argente, they all cried, and at these shouts the Florentine gone mad turned on himself and bit his body fiercely. We left him there. I'll say no more about him. A wailing nose began to pound my ears and made me strain my eyes to see ahead. And now, my son, the gentle teacher said, coming closer is the city we call Dis, with its great walls and its fierce citizens. And I, 
Master, already I can see the, the clear glow of its mosque, mosques above the valley, burning bright red, as though just forged and left to smolder. And he to me. Eternal fire burns within, giving off the reddish glow you see diffused through this lower hell. And then at last we entered those deep moats that circled all of this unhappy city, whose walls, it seemed to me, were made of iron. For quite a while we sailed around until we reached a place and heard our boatsman shout with all his might, Get out! Here is the entrance. I saw more than a thousand fiendish angels perching above the gates, enraged, screaming, Who is the one approaching? Who without death dares walk into the kingdom of the dead? and my wise teacher made some kind of signal announcing he would speak to them in secret. They managed to suppress their great resentment enough to say, You come, but he must go who thought to walk so boldly through this realm. Let him retrace his foolish way alone, just let him try. And you who led him here, through this dark land, you'll stay right where you are. And now, my reader... Consider how I felt when those foreboding words came to my ears. I thought I'd never see our world again. Oh, my dear guide, who more than seven times restored my confidence and rescued me from the many dangers that blocked my going on, don't leave me, please, I cried in my distress. And if the journey onward is denied us, let's turn our footsteps back together quickly. Then that lord who had brought me all this way said, Do not fear. The journey we are making none can prevent. Such power did decree it. Wait here for me, and feed your weary spirit with comfort and good hope. You can be sure I will not leave you in this underworld. With this he walks away. He leaves me here, that gentle father. And I, and I stay doubting and battling with my thoughts of yes, but no. I could not hear what he proposed to them, but they did not remain with him for long. I saw them race each other back for home. Our adversary slammed the heavy gates in my lord's face, and he stood there outside, then turned towards me and walked back very slowly with eyes downcast, all self-assurance now erased from his forehead, sighing, Who are these to forbid my entrance to the halls of grief? He spoke to me, You need not be disturbed by my vexation, for I shall win the contest no matter how they plot to keep us out. This insolence of theirs is nothing new. They used it once at a less secret gate, which is and will forever be unlocked. You saw the deadly words ascribed above it, and now, already past it and descending across the circles, down the slope alone comes one by whom the city will be opened. So as is our tradition on this... Uh, this, these recordings, um, I will start my comments off um, with some translations to notice in various translations of Dante. Um, there's a particular passage here that is of interest, um, and then I will uh, my comments will be in, uh, divided up into three parts. First, the um, discuss the this fifth circle of of the wrathful. We'll continue uh, discussing that and the odd way in which this canto begins. Um, the second part, we'll talk about Felipe Argente, uh, the, his his character, the exchange with Dante, and Dante's response. And, and lastly, we'll talk about Dante and Virgil's approach to Dis and the locked gate. 
uh, which is a, um, a dramatic tour de force uh, by Dante the Poet. So let's take a look at um, some lines here. I chose for discussion lines 46 through 51, and I'll read uh, some of the various translations. Um, I'll start by rereading Muse's translation. Uh, he writes, um, and this is Virgil's response to, to Dante, and Dante, uh, Virgil's description of, of, of Felipe Argente. In the world, this man, that's Argente, this man was filled with arrogance, and nothing good about him decks his memory. For this, his shade is filled with fury here. Many in life esteem themselves great men, who then will wallow here like pigs in mud, leaving behind them their repulsive fame. Here is Hollander's translation of the same passage. In the world this man was full of arrogance. Not one good deed adorns his memory. That is why his shade is so enraged. How many now above who think themselves great kings will lie here in the mud like swine, leaving behind nothing but ill repute? And then Dorothy Sayers' translation this is funny. This bold Jack was an arrogant brute in the world, nor in his whole life can remembrance find one sweetening touch. So must his raging spirit writhe here and roll. Many who strut like kings up there are such as here shall wallow hog-like in, hog in the mud, leaving behind nothing but foul reproach. Finally, Mandelbaum's translation. When in the world he was presumptuous, there is no good to gild his memory, and so his shade down here is hot with fury. How many up above now count themselves great kings, who will wallow here like pigs in slime, leaving behind foul memories of their crimes? So lots of things, uh, lots of difference, differences in, um, in word choice and in tone. <laughs> Bold Jack. Um, sounds like something out of Spinal Tap. Um, uh, but but after having read all five of these different translations, it, it really drives home, Dante really drives home here uh, the reason why uh, Felipe Argente is, um, is, up, is upset. He's upset because, as Virgil says, you know, there's nothing good to gild his memory or to... Um, not his whole life can remember one sweetening touch, or not one good deed adorns his memory. And we think of, um, of the desire for honor and glory that, um, that, that is part of the, the, the dam's uh, torture, in a sense, that they've been forgotten um, above. And because of uh, being forgotten, uh, they rage or they, they, they mope or they cry. Um, you know, this, this, uh, this desire for glory reminds me of, um, of, of, of Homer, you know, and his, uh, his Hades, and how Achilles uh, approaches Ulysses in the Odyssey and asks him, you know, what, what, are, what is thought of me above? And, uh, uh, you know, it, eternity is not a concept for the Greeks right, in the way it is for um, the Christian world. Um, 
simply one's uh, longevity is not on you know based on uh, you know the soul, the longevity or the eternity of the soul, but rather um, honor and what is said of that person after they after they go. And so, in all of these different translations, emphasizes you know whether it's great men or kings, um, the idea that uh, that it's honor that the damned so desperately need and uh, without it um, in this case without it the argente turns to rage so the canto begins oddly and uh, it's um as i mentioned on one of my former discussions is that you know some some of the cantos are self-contained and others are not so self-contained and so it and so this canto is not a self-contained canto in that it just continues um, Dante's discussion of this, the fifth circle. Um, and it's like he's saying, well, as I was saying, or, but in continuation, I must explain, however, and that's the first line, and taking us right into Canto 8. Um, and so the, the pilgrim here uh, is, the pilgrim Dante is, is sort of saying, okay, and also, <laughs> um, which is a very different opening than other cantos that we've looked at, which almost are self-contained cantos. So we are given this, um, we're given this beginning as a way to say we're in, we're in a transition, and we are in a transition. We're in a transition which will take several cantos uh, between the sins of incontinence, um, such as lust and gluttony and anger, wrath, and the sins of violence. And betwixt those two groups will be uh, heresy, the sins of heresy. So as we witnessed in the, 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 the seventh uh, canto, um, the expression of anger um, with the prodigal and the miserly, the wrathful and the sullen, these are all kinds of um, ways of describing this war that takes place between these opposites, right? Um, and how the, that war creates the damned suffering. Um, Dante's discussion of the wrathful and the sullen or the the angry and um and the you know as, as i made the case sort of the, the, the depressed right the acedia the the ones that the slothful the ones who will not move and they're underneath the the marsh there that even there we had a kind of division of anger most readers will think of anger as belonging to sins of violence um but if it is true, as we as we discussed, that Dante is dramatizing um, Arist uh, the the Aristotelian Thomistic discussion of anger, and he's dividing it into the three parts of the impulsive, the the we might say the sudden or the paralyzed, and finally the um, uh, th those that third group that intends to do violence to others. Dante places the first two of those categories the into the uh, sins of incontinence. So just as lust and gluttony are like anger in this way, right? As you passion overcomes reason and then saves this third category, the, the ones who wish to do intentional physical harm to others. He says that he saves that for the um, circle of the violent, which will occur in, in Canto 12. And so this is a transitional canto and it's almost as if Dante is uh, kind of demarcating 
these different types of anger and demarcating their seriousness. All the sins in hell are damnable, but some are more damnable than others. And so while lust is, um, is certainly a damnable offense, it is much less so than, um, than the sins of violence and certainly the sins of malice, as we see deeper. So in many ways, what, what, what the transition can be discussed as the transition from five of the seven capital sins, what we think of as lust and gluttony and avarice and sloth and even wrath, to envy and pride, which will be the discussion of the remainder of the Inferno. So a transitional uh, canto, uh, one that emphasizes through Dante's own experience of Filippe Argente, which we'll move to next, uh, his own anger, his own wrath, um, but understood in what we, we might say as a, in a righteous, in a righteous, righteous fashion. So many readers struggle with Dante's response to Felipe, and what is his response? His, his response is himself with a kind of bitterness, um, and uh, you know the German word Schadenfreude, which is the you know taking pleasure in other people's pain. And we don't think of this as a Christian virtue, and yet here is Dante reveling um, in Felipe's um, torture, and he's also you know wishing for that for his pain to become even greater and he says to him in line 37 may you weep and wail stuck here in this place forever you damned soul for filthy as you are i recognize you and then um and then the, and then virgil will push him off the boat the skiff that the two are in philagius's skiff and so um and then virgil will then turn to, to dante and praise him for this so um readers have you know the, the sort of struggle with why is dante um, reveling in the pain of another. I know I have a problem as a, as a reader reading this, um, uh, and the, the problem is just simply that Dante, you know, appears to be less than the noble in his, in his desire to see Felipe um, suffer. Okay, so how do, we, how do we save the appearance of this? Um, well, there's been a lot of ink spilled on on Dante's own trajectory as a character throughout the Divine Comedy. And one, um, one place is here, right? One place is here is to see, you can say, well, you know, Dante isn't yet, um, uh, he hasn't transformed uh, completely into the, the man and the poet he will eventually be. And so this is a, a transitional point for him where, you know, he, he, he's hating, he's hating on uh, Felipe. Uh, who is um, Felipe is a, is was one of his political opponents back in Florence, and according to the history, um, Felipe Argente was also someone who opposed Dante's return. So Dante was banished from the city of Florence, and um, and Argente led the opposition in saying that that Dante indeed should not return to Florence. Um, and so uh, this, this, you know, somewhat, um, you know, oppositional figure for Dante, this, this enemy of, this political enemy of Dante, well, you know, he, he hates him, but not, not because, you know, not because of, of, of the politics of the time, but because he represents, he, Argente, represents wrath. And so Dante is learning how to hate the sin and not the sinner. Um, yeah, it's not really convincing 
to me um, that this is just an early form of Dante's being able to control control because he doesn't appear all that controlled, frankly. Um, he doesn't he he doesn't appear to be you know well. It's so easy to look at this and say, well, Dante just just appears to be bitter and um, resentful, and it does come across as resentful here, and it's difficult, I think, to to see um, to see that any any clearer than when Virgil um, praises him for such bitterness. Um, but we we do need to have a, and, and Virgil, by the way, praises him, and he praises him in a way that um, looks a lot like the Ave Maria, right? He says. Blessed is she in whose womb you were conceived, a, a, an expression that Dante would have been well aware of, uh, which reflects the Magnificat. Um, so we're, we're not just meant to see Dante's um, attitude here uh, as righteous, but, praise, but praiseworthy. Um, this readers have had many difficulty with, and I, I am with them, um, but we, we do need to kind of give the other side of this, which is to s suggest that you know, Dante will come to hate with self-control the, the sin. That's part of his mission. He must not pity. His pity of Francesca and his pity of other others that are there in hell is really a weakness of his because to pity is to, you know, I would, I would argue to pity would be to, um, to misunderstand God's justice or the justice, or the just placement of these sinners. And it would also be, for Dante, a dangerous part of his um, of journey, because if you don't hate a sin, then you don't have, you, you, you don't really have the weapons with which to fight it uh, when you are, when you are um, tempted, and especially tempted in, um, in, in the, the, the sins of, of, of passion. So the absence of pity here, the absence of pity here leading to um, an almost resentful reaction to Felipe, and, um, and I believe that, you know, clearly Dante is just simply a man, a brilliant man, a brilliant poet, but I think his political, um, his political leanings uh, show forth here. Some have argued, by the way, um, this is, and this is tying together the comments that I made before this, which about the... Um, about the beginning of the canto, how odd it is by saying, however, you know, just starting, that Dante stopped writing the Inferno uh, for some, uh, he wrote the first seven cantos and then stopped for a while, um, in part because of the of traveling and the difficulty of being banished from Florence. And Canto Eight is a, is a place where he starts up again. I think it was Boccaccio who has this theory, um, or relays this history. So if, if you kind of see it in that, that perspective, you can certainly see this restarting of Dante um, also uh, showing forth his anger towards his political enemies and the opposition uh, who would who would keep him out of his beloved city of Florence. So um, I'd be interested to hear what you think in the discussion or in uh, comments that you'd like to make um, about Dante's reaction, uh, whether or not it, you know, transcends this pet petty rivalry. And this is a question that will come up again and again, but here, but we're seeing it here for the first time. The canto continues with a dramatic scene in which it looks like Dante won't make it out of here alive. Um, and, and this is where Dante really shines as a dramatic poet. Virgil is so certain that he's going to be able to lead Dante through hell uh, successfully because it's willed by divine providence. 
But there is a moment here in 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 the eighth canto where um, things look dire um, and there's some drama. Virgil himself changes in his aspect. Um, his literally his face uh, is is described here as nervous and uncertain, and um, I just note that how uh, much Dante really does depend on Virgil. He really depends on Virgil entirely and needs to depend that Virgil knows what he's doing. And when Virgil is rebuffed here at the gates of Dis, even Virgil himself appears um, for a moment uncertain. And, and there's this brilliant uh, way in which Dante struggles uh, with seeing his teacher and his leader struggle. And in fact, um, Dante the poet will even make mention that um, he, he, his memory of this almost traumatic event, he'll say, um, when, when Virgil goes to speak to the demons at the, at the gate, um, you know, Dante cries out to him like a child, he says, in, in line 97, Oh, my dear leader, who seven times and more have braced my confidence and saved me from the dangers that assailed me. Do not leave me, I cried, helpless now. And then he goes, you know, if, <laughs> if we can't make it past this gate, let's go back. Let's go back. Um, and then Virgil returns and saying, you know, don't fear, but, you know, the look on Virgil's face um, looks like uh, he doesn't, it's not quite certain. And so this is a brilliant observation on Dante's point. It's sort of a child towards a mother or towards a father. And uh, we, we see that Dante's relationship with Virgil is very, um, Virgil is a sort of maternal figure. Um, and when he returns, Virgil is after being rejected. Um, you know, it's like Virgil's so upset at being you know, uh, the, the being shut out of these gates, that he, it's almost like he's talking to himself. You know, uh, who dares, you know, shut these gates to me? Um, and, then, and then Virgil will notice, it seems, that Dante is becoming nervous uh, because of Virgil's reaction. And so he'll say, ah, don't worry about it, right? Don't be dismayed. We'll prevail. I've done this before. And the before that, that Virgil mentions is, um, uh, when he, uh, uh, when the gate of hell itself had been shut by the uh, re rebelling angels against Christ, when Christ returned uh, during the harrowing to to release the patriarchs, um, that that gate was they tried to lock the gate then, and the and the gate was was opened, and so that remains remains open, and so that's Virgil's uh, allusion there at the end of the poem. Uh, where he says, you know, you you saw the deadly writing there. Um, in the Musa translation, it's, uh, yeah, the deadly words described above it, you know. And so it, it's, you know, so so don't fear. Um, we're going to win. We're going to win the contest. But what, what, what's brilliant to me is the, um, the, the, the level of detail that Dante gives in Dante's reaction to Virgil's nervousness. Um, again, showing uh, that Dante is not just a poet of um, of the external, but also the psychological uh, psychological drama and almost the attachment as as a child that that Dante has uh, for Virgil here. So um, this is a dramatic uh, place in the in in hell. Um, we know he's going to be successful, right? It's like when you read these stories, you you know the ending, and so. Part of the part of the um, the job of the poet is to help you forget what the ending will be. It's a divine comedy. It's going to end up well. If if they were to get stuck and and have to turn around, there'd be 
a tragedy, a tragic comedy at, at, at best, at, at worst. So at best and worst. So, um, so Dante gets us to forget that this uh, must be a successful journey. And so doing that, he gives us some drama like, oh, is it going to happen? And how is it going to happen? And so we're going to spend a couple cantos here kind of stuck. Um, and all of these emotions that we, we've seen throughout, um, throughout the Inferno thus far, like fear and hesitation, anxiety, and then hope and faith are, are, are at play here. So um, an important transitional canto, um, one that offers a couple of uh, you know, problems for readers, especially Dante's lack of pity, which we'll see more of later, maybe not so, um, uh, maybe not so rude and um, obvious, but we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see his loss of pity and his embrace of divine justice um, and his self-control. Uh, sometimes self-control insofar as that he won't even say anything. There'll be just silence. So, um, so, a, so a good, a good canto to take a close look at um, as we, um, as we get closer to the circle of violence. <laughs> 